Hey everybody, this is Tom, and welcome to Podcast SF. This is a show about uh, questions and answers for uh, medical and recreational cannabis users of every level. Uh, I know I promised I would uh, get this episode out before the holidays, and also the holidays were bananas. I'm sure you guys all agree that uh, this end-of-the-year business is for the birds. Could not believe how busy I ended up getting and just couldn't find enough time to do this. But I've got the time now. It's actually quiet in my house. None of my neighbors are doing construction today. So uh, let's plunge forward with this. We're going to talk about traveling with your cannabis. Um, This is a hot-button topic around the holidays always. And as I prepare to go visit my my parents this uh, coming Monday... Uh, I'm thinking about it too, although thankfully uh, it's just within state and I'm just driving to another county. So uh, first of all, let me say this is not legal advice. I am not a lawyer. This should not substitute for the advice of a professional in the legal field. If you have uh, serious questions involving law enforcement and possession of cannabis on your part, please consult Mm -hmm. an attorney. There are tons of places you can go. Uh, You can go to your nearest local law school. They usually have uh, like a walk-in clinic uh, where students will help you with your questions. You can go on the NOLO website. They have a bunch of legal information. Heck, even go to Reddit and check out the uh, legal advice subreddit. It's full of lawyers uh, giving out good legal tips. Not real legal advice. They are not your lawyer, but they can point you in the right direction, tell you what kind of lawyer to get tell you what kind of uh, uh, penalties you might be looking at. So uh, let's let's plunge into this. Um, first of all, I'm going to go with the easiest thing to address, which is traveling with uh, your cannabis internationally. Don't. Just don't. There's no reason for you to uh, cross an international border uh, with a controlled substance. Uh, it's still very illegal in many places, and even in other countries where it is legal, like Canada, uh, it's legal to have it in the United States. It's legal to have it five miles away across the border in Canada. It's not legal to take it across the border. The borders are federally controlled uh, by our government and their government. So you're going to get in Dutch with one or the other. And like best case scenario, they're going to take all your stuff uh, and they're going to exclude you from entering the country for anywhere from one to ten years. It could be lifetime, actually. They do lifetime bans. Um, I love weed. I don't love it so much that I want to put myself in a situation where I can't go to Canada for five years. Um, If something pops off in this country, my husband has dual citizenship, we're going to Canada. Uh, So there's no reason to exclude yourself from an entire nation uh, just because you can't handle not having weed for a couple of hours. You can get weed when you're there. You can get weed in most places that you're going. Um, I don't advise, again, legally, I don't advise you to buy weed off the street in another country, Uh, but if you're in a country that has legalized cannabis, please just go to a licensed dispensary, buy the cannabis, pay your taxes on it, and enjoy it in the privacy of your own home or your hotel or your friend's house or whatever. Um, but just don't, there's an entire genre of movies about why it's a terrible idea to, uh, uh, bring weed or hash, uh, or any drug across the border. There's, it's, there's a whole series of films about why, especially, uh, in Asian countries, it's a bad idea. They're very strict on cannabis over there. Uh, places in the Middle East 
are very strict with uh, uh, certain types of possession, uh, including alcohol. If you're in a place like Dubai, uh, alcohol possession is prohibited. Uh, so know the laws of the place that you're going to is a really important point to make. Research, go online, don't take advice from strangers, take advice from websites and uh, government agencies uh, that are directed by uh, the Border Patrol or uh, a Customs Border Patrol CBC here in the United States, and I think also in Canada it's called CBC, uh, and they will not steer you wrong. There is no reason for them to steer you wrong. They would like you to not break the law when you're crossing the border. So whatever you do, don't travel internationally with uh, your cannabis. Um, out of state, it depends on which state you're going to. Uh, some states have cannabis laws. Again, buy the weed when you get there because most states don't have mutuality. And mutuality or reciprocity, uh, depending on uh, uh, where you are, they use different terms. Reciprocity and mutuality means that if I have, uh, uh, am a cannabis patient in the state of California and I travel to, say, Arizona, Arizona has a degree of mutuality with California, which means that you can go to Arizona with your cannabis from California. You cannot buy cannabis in Arizona. So if you're going from California to Arizona, you're driving from LA to Phoenix, feel free, take some weed with you, uh, be cool about it, don't smoke it openly in the car while you're driving, that's still a DUI uh, or DWI in, in most states, uh, but you can take it some places. However, most states that have medical cannabis on the books do not have reciprocity. Uh, they do not have uh, that mutuality. So if you take your cannabis with you, your medical cannabis card is not valid in any other state. You have to be in California for that to be valid. It doesn't exclude you. You can't. So many times I see people uh, uh, posting online uh, and talking about how they have their mm -hmm. medical card. They went to, I don't know, uh, Vermont or Massachusetts or Maine or another state that has medical cannabis. Florida has medical cannabis now um, and got popped by the cops and their main excuse, their main defense is, well, I'm a medical cannabis patient in California. Great. You're not a medical cannabis patient in any of, this, any of these other states and to be a medical cannabis patient in those other states, you have to be a resident and usually to, to have residency the laws vary. It could be six months. It could be a year. Um, some states, they just require you to show mail with your address on it. Uh, something like a lease or a bank statement or a pay stub is usually good enough to establish residency in, the, in some of those places. So you are not a cannabis patient anywhere outside California. That is not a thing. Um, again, except Arizona, which has that reciprocity rule. Um, a few other states, I think Massachusetts might have some degree of, of reciprocity, uh, but also if you're going to drive to Massachusetts, you're going to cross through a lot of states that either don't have any cannabis laws on the books besides it's illegal, or you are going to run afoul of the law uh, by, uh, not, by not uh, being in compliance. Uh, on your way. And you want to be in compliance as much as you can. That is the key uh, to staying out of the silver bracelets uh, and out of the state-run hotel. Um, 
flying out of California is, I can't advise that either. Uh, if you're flying cross country uh, or to another state, uh, I generally don't advise that you take the cannabis with you on the plane because fun story, it may be legal in California where you are and it might be legal in Phoenix where you're going and it might have this, those states might have reciprocity, but once you get into the air that you're in federal jurisdiction and it's technically illegal in the air as far as I'm aware. Now somebody may write me and tell me that that's different, but the last I checked, when you are in the air, it's not cool. So uh, you can be popped for that. And a lot of people do dumb shit like they bring vape cartridges on a plane and then they try and vape uh, in the bathroom, which is a terrible plan because we can all smell it. We can all smell it, dude. That's not, you're not being slick. Every time somebody hits a vape pen in a Target or something or at the supermarket, I can always smell it. Everybody smells it uh, because it's dissipating through the air and creating... Uh, basically a cloud around you like pig pen from the peanuts. Um, Oakland, I'm told, uh, is not super strict about flying out with cannabis. Um, That's because uh, when you get caught with cannabis at the airport, they turn you over. uh, uh, The Department of Homeland Security, uh, the guys in the blue shirts, they turn you over to whatever jurisdiction is in charge of the airport. Now, in Oakland, the jurisdiction in charge of the airport is the Alameda County Sheriff's Department, and they do not give one single fuck about your marijuana. They don't. They just don't care. They're not going to arrest you at the airport for having cannabis on you. Uh, It's a super low priority for them. And mostly for Homeland Security, cannabis, especially in California, especially in other states, uh, uh, Nevada, Arizona, it's very low priority. They're looking for explosives. Uh, They're looking for people who are engaging in human trafficking. Uh, They're looking for very serious crimes. They're not looking for your uh, little stony stash in your shaving kit. So you may, your mileage may vary, but from what I'm told, Oakland is a fairly safe airport to fly out of with your cannabis. However, and I can't stress this enough either, if you fly somewhere to another state or another country and find yourself in possession of cannabis, say you didn't realize that there was a cartridge in the bottom of a pouch in your suitcase and somehow you got through uh, the, the border with that, if you find yourself in another country or in another state with that, leave it there. Don't come back with it. There's no reason to bring it back. I promise you whatever's left in that cartridge, however many grams are left in that bag, is not worth your freedom. It's not worth a minute of your time talking to the police. And they are going to want to talk to you. Holy shit. They'll ask you 9 million questions. They will try and get you to incriminate yourself and anybody else they can. So don't do it. Leave it there. Leave it, give it to a friend. Throw it in the trash. Leave it on the corner on top of a trash can like you would a sandwich that you weren't going to eat. You know, I take leftovers all the time from restaurants here. If I'm not going to eat it, I put it, leave it in the box, put it on top of the trash can. Somebody's going to come along and eat that. Same goes true for your cartridge. Somebody's going to come along and go, hey, free cartridge. And uh, it increases your karma, which is always a good thing. Um, there's lots of, yeah, like lots of the middle states... Uh, uh, especially when you're driving, have real garbage, garbage laws on cannabis. There are still a few states out there 
Uh, I remember. I know we all remember the the little rhyming uh, sayings or whatever from back in the day of like you know, uh, uh, you know, ten grams will get you twenty years and that kind of thing. It's it's still true in a lot of those middle states and a lot of those those red states in the center of the country. Uh, so don't chance it. Don't risk it. Uh, and odds are, if you're like me, you're gonna make a friend who has some weed and they're gonna at least get you stoned and you can deal with it. Um, in state, if you're traveling within the state, uh, your own state that has medical or recreational cannabis, go hog wild. Go bananas. Don't exceed the, uh, amounts that you're allowed to carry. Uh, don't smoke it in your car, but go nuts. If you want to have, California doesn't have a limit currently on the, uh, amount of edibles you can purchase. If you want to buy $9,000 worth of edibles and fill your trunk with them and drive from LA to Barstow, be my guest. That's not against the law. Uh, if you get pulled over and they talk you into popping your trunk, you're going to get some weird questions, but it's not illegal to do that. Um, if you do get pulled over uh, and there is a smell of cannabis in your car, a lot of police officers will try and tell you that that's probable cause to toss your entire car, make you open your trunk, throw you in the back of their car, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, last I checked, and again, uh, I'm going to check it again after this, and somebody may write in and tell me otherwise, but the last I checked, there was a recent, I don't remember if it was a, I think it was the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling that uh, smell alone is not enough. Smell isn't, isn't a, a, a provable thing. You can't capture a smell and enter it into evidence. So it's very easy for uh, uh, people in law enforcement to lie and say they smelled cannabis when they did no such thing because they'd like an excuse to search your car and hopefully find something they can arrest you for. Uh, so like filming uh, the police, which was ruled on by the Supreme Court, um, cops will tell you that that's not legal and that you have to stop. Uh, guess what? Cops don't actually know that many laws. They don't. They have, uh, my dad was a cop, they give them little sheets that have commonly broken laws uh, so they can remember the codes and stuff, little cheat sheets. And some of these guys remember a lot of them, but nobody remembers all of them. And definitely, your regular beat cop on the street isn't going to be aware of SCOTUS rulings, Ninth Circuit rulings that affect how they do their jobs. They should be, but they're not. And they're out there operating on under the assumption that you can't film and that they can arrest you for a smell. Neither of those things are true as far as I'm aware. Uh, there's too many laws. There's just too many laws for any one person to know them all. Even lawyers don't know all the laws. That's why there's different kinds of lawyers. You have state lawyers. You have uh, uh, family law. You have criminal defense. You have friggin' maritime law. They specialize in different areas of the law because it's impossible for one person to know all the laws. There's too many. There's just too many. We add laws to the books every year. We, we, year. we rarely take any laws off the books. So that's just not a thing. Those guys don't know and never take legal advice from the police. That's the worst thing you can possibly do. They are not your friend in this situation. They're not going to help you out. Uh, they're not going to be your buddy. Uh, they're going to pretend to do all that to get you to incriminate yourself. Uh, that's a classic cop move. They're allowed to lie to you. Uh, they can say anything they want. That's not against the law. Uh, you're not allowed to lie to them. You are allowed to shut the fuck up, though, uh, which I always recommend. If you enter into a law enforcement encounter uh, regarding anything, uh, but especially cannabis, you have a right to remain silent, but you also have to make sure that you have the ability to remain silent. You have to exercise your right and say, I am choosing to remain silent. 
I would like to see a lawyer. And if they keep asking you questions, you just keep telling them the same thing. It's going to piss them off. They're going to be mad at you. They're not going to bring you a soda. Uh, But tough shit. That's not your problem. It's their job to try and prove it. And you don't need to give them any help in that regard. Don't help them prove a case against you. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Don't talk. Talk to a lawyer. Let the lawyer do the talking for you. That's all you need to know in that scenario. Uh, If you need to go to the bathroom, you can say, can I go to the bathroom? Can you take me to the bathroom, please? And also, I am still choosing to remain silent and I still want to see a lawyer. Um, Let's see. uh, What else do we got? Oh, you know, and and when you go to other states that have uh, recreational or medical cannabis, visit some dispensaries. Visit some other dispensaries. See what the industry has on offer in other places and other regions. Uh, You go to Colorado, check out what their hash is like. Check out what their edibles are like. They have a lot of different stuff that we don't have. Uh, They have some really cool stuff. They have some really fun stuff. Check it out. And it, it always sounds cool when you're hanging out with your friends later and somebody says, oh, hey, I'm going to Denver. And you say, oh, man, there's a great shop in Denver. You should check it out. It's called this. It's on the intersection of this street and that street. Absolutely check it out. I got some Blue Dream there that knocked my socks off. There's, that's the coolest thing in the world. If I go, say I'm going somewhere and one of my friends says, oh, yeah, oh, you're going to L.A.? Oh, run down to this dispensary. They have a great deal on Mondays. It's two-for-one edibles day. That's fantastic information. That's information that is going to take me hours to find on the Internet. Hours. And you can just get that from your friend or you can be the person that provides that information. That's the coolest thing in the world. Um, When you get where you're going, don't share with minor relatives. I know you want to be the cool older uncle or cousin that comes in and smokes a joint with your 14-year-old cousin because somebody did that with you. And it's a terrible plan. It's a terrible plan. Even uh, if your family's cool with it, I don't care. Don't do that shit, man. It sucks. Don't be that guy. Don't be the person. It's no different than when those kids stand out in front of the liquor store and they ask you to go inside and get them tall cans of beer or whatever. It's illegal. It's a great way to get yourself in trouble. All you need is one relative to complain. Next thing you know, you're in a whole world of bullshit. And it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Tell that kid when you are 18 or 21 or whatever the legal age of consumption is in the location you're at, I will get you stoned like you wouldn't believe. I'm going to send you to the moon, but don't do it uh, when there's just no reason. There's just no reason to be doing that. You're, you're not the cool uncle. Uh, uh, you're kind of an enabling asshole. Um, your best packing practices when you travel... Uh, you don't want to leave it in the glove box. Generally, I don't carry it in the body of the car if I can help it. Um, I tend to put it, I have a hatchback, so I put it in the hatchback area, uh, which is sort of the body of the car, but not really. And, uh, most people don't have a hatchback. Most people have a regular ass car with a trunk. Put it in your trunk. That way it's not in what they, law enforcement calls the lunge to area. And I'm throwing air quotes around lunge to which means exactly what it sounds like. It's any area inside the passenger cabin of the vehicle that you could conceivably reach over and grab something. It's the area they search first when they search your car when they're looking for weapons or drugs. So don't keep it 
anywhere inside the body of the car if you can help it. Glove box is a terrible place. You got to open the glove box if you get pulled over uh, to get your registration out. Boom, there's a bag of weed. Uh, That's not a good look. That doesn't bode well for you. Uh, If you haven't had the thought process to say, hey, let me not put it right next to this compartment, in this compartment that I need to open uh, if I get pulled over, right next to the object I need to provide to law enforcement. That's, that's not a good plan. That's a terrible, terrible plan. Um, if you're going to eat edibles while you're traveling or visiting family, don't eat something new. Don't eat an edible you've never tried before. At least try it once before you leave your home base. There is nothing worse than being at a family gathering, stoned off your tits, off half a cookie that you should have only eaten a quarter of, but you didn't know that because you never tried it before, and now you can't follow a conversation with your family because your grandmother's mouth looks like it's melting. Stop doing that. That is not helping you out. Uh, it, those of us out in the world that are in the industry, you know, we try to promote, uh, uh, we try to basically anything we can do to diminish the stoner stigma that stoners are lazy and irresponsible and you know they don't contribute to conversations and stuff like that's anything we can do to mitigate that is great so you want to promote a responsible stoner uh, uh, attitude which includes things like not smoking out your 14 year old nephew Uh, and not being off your face, totally lost in the sauce at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Um, Don't eat homemade stuff uh, unless you made it and you know uh, what the dosage is going to be like. I can't tell you how many times a friend has given me a cookie or something that they made and said, oh yeah, it's fine, Uh, you can eat the whole thing, and then I trust them because they are my friend, and then I spend the rest of the day uh, just laying on the couch watching Ren and Stimpy because I physically can't do anything else. I'm unable to function because I'm off my face. Edibles hit you in a different way than smoking does. When you smoke cannabis, you're taking in tiny, tiny amounts, uh, tiny milligram amounts at a time. You're taking in, you know, 0.2 milligrams a puff, 0.3, 0.4. It's not a lot. So most people have, I don't know, mm-hmm. five, ten puffs on a, can- on a joint. I almost said a cannabis cigarette, uh, like it's the 1950s. Um, but uh, most people have, I don't know, between 5 and 20 puffs on a joint. If you have 20 puffs on a joint, uh, and you're hitting half a milligram tops with each puff, you're getting 10 milligrams. That's not a lot. And it gets into your system right away. It takes 6 minutes for your blood to make a complete circuit through your body. That's how long it takes for the cannabis, six to ten minutes after you're done, after you've stopped smoking cannabis, you will be at the full effect of that cannabis. That's just the science of it. When you eat an edible, I always say it's the difference between drinking a pitcher of beer all day at a ball game or guzzling a pint of vodka in the parking lot. It hits you different and it hits you all at once because it's not absorbed uh, uh, through the gas exchange in your lungs like it is with smoke, which goes directly into your bloodstream. It's instead absorbed not by your stomach, but by your lower intestine when all the moisture is extracted from the waste in your body. That's when it hits you. When you have a liquid edible, uh, like a tea or uh, soft drinks that I've seen that are available on the market, that stuff takes about 20 minutes to hit. Because um, if you think about it, you have a drink of water, Drink a big old glass of water and 20 to 30 minutes from now, you're going to have to go to the bathroom. 
Same thing. It's going to work its way through your system a lot faster uh, uh, than a solid edible. You eat a brownie and it could be 45 minutes. It could be four hours. Uh, It just depends on how efficient your digestive system is, how healthy uh, uh, the, I forget if they're villi or cilia that are in your intestines, how healthy those are, uh, the gut bacteria you have going on, all those things are factors, how hydrated you are, how much you've had to eat that day, where your blood sugar's at. All these things are factors when you eat an edible and how it lands on you. And a lot of times, especially when you're traveling, you're stressed out. So I'm stressed out. I got to go hang out with my parents um, and my, all my grandmothers and stuff and do a big family event. So I eat an edible uh, about two hours beforehand responsibly because I want to be on top of things and I want to know, you know, I want to get adjust myself to the feeling uh, uh, of being stoned before I interact with them so I don't seem too high. Uh, and then, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. It's not working. Why isn't it working? I ate this edible four hours ago. Nothing's happening. Let me eat another edible. Well, here's a fun fact about the human digestive system. When you're stressed, human beings have a lot of prey animal responses, uh, one of which is that when you are under a certain amount of stress, your body releases chemicals and hormones into your bloodstream that shut down your digestive system. Uh, It's to keep you from pooping. happens a lot to guys who've been anybody who's listening who's a veteran knows when you're out on field maneuvers um it's real hard to poop uh my brother my dad were both in the military my brother would go out on field maneuvers uh and he would get stopped up for two three days and which is terrible because pooping is awesome and also you can re-trigger your digestive system to start back up sometimes by eating so i'm at my family event i've eaten this edible four hours ago Nothing's happened. I've gone back to my room. I've weaseled around in my bag for a little bit and found another edible, and I've eaten that. And about 15 minutes after I eat that edible, oh no, here comes the first one. And now it's crashing on you like a wave. And there's nothing you can do. You are standing on the train tracks, and the train is coming, and there is nothing you can do to get out of the way. And you just put double that amount into your system. And that second one is going to land a lot faster than the first one. So don't eat edibles you're not familiar with. If you're not familiar with the effects of it, don't eat it in a new environment. Don't eat it in the, before your first day on a new job. Don't eat it before you go to the DMV to take your tests. None of that. Don't do it. It's a bad idea and it's more hassle than it's worth. If you're like me and you have any level of anxiety going on, the amount of anxiety you're going to cause yourself doing this uh, by far is, is by far away is no way worth uh, uh, the benefit that you get from eating that edible. It's just it's a horrible situation to put yourself in and you got to be kind to yourself. Be a friend to yourself. Don't set yourself up for failure. Now here's something I'm going to tell you that, that may surprise. This is a do. Do Bring topicals for your older relatives. Nobody loves a topical more than an older relative with a bad knee or a arthritic hand. I bring topicals for my family all the time, especially now that it's recreational. I bring topical applications for my family all the time. My dad has rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, his knees bother him a lot. His back bothers him a lot. I bring him patches. There are some patches on the market that last uh, up to 96 hours. Uh, which is great because it's very cost-effective. They're under $20, if I recall correctly. Um, But uh, those are fantastic. 
any kind of a cream or a salve or an ointment that they can rub on. It doesn't make you stoned. Uh, it just relaxes the muscles in the area where it's applied. So um, for me, I have a bad knee. Uh, I put topicals on my bad knee. Doesn't get me stoned. Uh, it works great. And everybody wants to feel better. Everybody wants to feel comfortable. So if you can bring a little bit of comfort to your senior relatives, absolutely do that. 100%. Uh, topicals are amazing. Uh, and there's a million great ones out on the market. I'm not going to name drop any brands uh, just because uh, most of those are local to Northern California. And if you're listening to this outside the Northern California area, it's not going to be relevant for you. Um, here's, here's an unpopular opinion. Excuse me. Um, here's an unpopular opinion uh, that's probably going to get me uh, some angry text messages. But uh, fuck cartridges, man. Just forget it. Fuck them. Uh, if you're going to buy one from a dispensary, great. Uh, that's terrific and good for you. But I would say uh, that cartridges are not meant to be used as an everyday medication. They are meant to be used, in my opinion, in situations where you cannot smoke uh, and you don't want to eat edibles for whatever reason. Maybe you're diabetic, maybe you're on Whole30 or you're eating paleo or you're a vegan or something. Uh, gluten-free. There's a million reasons uh, why some edi most edibles won't work for you. Uh, I personally am allergic to soy. Uh, so if you're in a situation where you can't eat an edible and you can't smoke, uh, oftentimes cartridges are a great alternative. Uh, my dad is on oxygen. Uh, I can't smoke in the house. Uh, occasionally I have brought cartridges up to my parents' house to use, uh, when I knew, you know, that it sometimes snows up there and I don't want to be outside. So I'll bring a cartridge and I'll use it for that weekend and that's it. Uh, but on a day-to-day -day basis for most people, uh, cartridges are not going to be the most ideal way to get the medication in your body. Uh, it's very difficult for, uh, most casual users to discern the difference between a high quality cartridge and a low quality cartridge. Um, and it takes asking a lot of questions and knowing what questions to ask. What kind of wicking agents are used? Is there a thinner or a thickener uh, that's been applied here? There's all kinds of, are there added terpenes? Where are they sourced from? There's a lot of questions like that that are sort of wonky technical questions. And for those of us who are familiar with this, this kind of information, it's very easy for somebody like me to walk into a dispensary and ask, 20 questions about the cartridges and be able to suss out which three or four are the healthiest. For most casual users and for a lot of newer patients, that is a very difficult thing to learn. Uh, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of science around it, um, and there's not a lot of research on uh, vaporized cannabis, which I don't even like that they, they call them vapor cartridges because it's not really vaporizing it so much as atomizing it. And those are two very different things. When you use uh, dry flower cannabis in a, uh, like a volcano vaporizer, what that's doing is that's actually using heat to get the cannabis to release the trichromes uh, into the air with a little bit of steam. And so that then you then catch in a bag and then inhale that. Vaporizer cartridges, air quotes around vaporizer, um, it's more of an atomizer. It's heating up an oil uh, so that it can be run across some coils, which then 
atomizes it rather than vaporizes it. In most circumstances, there are a few handheld vaporizers on the market that actually do vaporize cannabis and or hash, but they are few and far between and they are quite expensive. Usually they are in the like $150 and up range. The little uh, pneumatic batteries that you get that you screw a cartridge into, those don't have the capability to do that. It's actually a very weak battery. Uh, it runs at one strength. Uh, there's different temperatures that you need to vaporize different uh, cannabinoids that are present in cannabis. There's a different temperature that you need for THC than you do for CBD. Very, about 100 degrees different, if I recall correctly. So it doesn't have the ability, these little pneumatic, and even most of the push button uh, batteries don't really have the ability to do that. There's a few on the market that do. Uh, again, I'm not going to name drop companies, um, but go out, do a little research for yourself on the internet, and you can find out most of this information uh, if you're if you're cagey and canny about it, and get down the rabbit hole of internet cannabis. Um, what else? Don't buy gas station CBD. Um, when you go to another state, a lot of times if they don't have a recreational cannabis law on the books, you'll have CBD products that are sold at gas stations, uh, health food stores, Whole Foods, uh, places like that, uh, smoke shops. Those products are untested and there is absolutely no way of knowing that what you're getting is even CBD. I've heard anecdotally of some horror stories where some cartridges were seized uh, uh, in another state. Uh, I don't recall where. Uh, I could probably look it up and find out uh, and maybe post the article on the Instagram. Uh, but they were found to not only not have CBD, uh, but they had um, basically like uh, the quote-unquote synthetic cannabis, which is basically liquid bath salts sprayed on plant material. That's, that's not going to help you out. That's going to do exactly the opposite. It's going to put you in a world of trouble. Uh, and God forbid you might start, you know, acting out, taking your clothes off, trying to eat somebody's face. Nobody needs that, uh, especially when you're out of state. It's bad enough when you try to eat somebody's face in your own state. Don't try to eat somebody's face out of state. It's a terrible plan. Um, the, these gas station products, uh, they're not tested in any way, shape, or form. They're not tested. Dispensary products are tested for molds, heavy metals, pesticides, herbicides, a uh, bunch of other stuff, uh, uh, microbes, and that sort of thing, bacteria, uh, organic uh, uh, contaminants, which could be dirt or anything. They're tested. They're tested at labs. They're batch tested uh, in the raw big old bag of weed. They pull out a handful and they test that, and then it gets processed and packaged up, and then they grab a few of the processed packages, and they test those too. And I know we've all seen the articles that some of the labs are unreliable, but still, some kind of testing is better than no kind of testing. Half the CBD that you get in gas stations and smoke shops and stuff like that is what I call bathtub CBD. Uh, it's people buying uh, industrial hemp press and then adding it uh, to some kind of uh, cutting agent or wicking agent or both and then putting that in a cartridge. And the problem with industrial hemp is that industrial hemp is not grown for human consumption. It's not even grown for animal consumption in most cases. It's grown for industrial uses, which means the laws about what kind of pesticides, what kind of fertilizers, what kind of chemicals they can use on those plants is wildly different than it would be for, say, 
organic fruit or not organic broccoli, like the regular ass broccoli that you buy at the store is held to a higher standard than industrial hemp because it's going into the human consumption pool. Someone is going to eat that. What's in it is going to go into your bloodstream. So they have a high standard for testing on things like that, whereas they do not have a high standard or any standard at all for those gas station CBD cartridges. Um, and then one of the last things I want to bring up is, is securing your shit. Um, when you are visiting anywhere, uh, especially if you're staying in a place with friends or family, um, you want to make sure that your stuff is secure. Uh, you can find online, there are like little locking bags that you can get. There are shaving kits that you can get that have a, a lock on them. And uh, those are going to be your best option because your number one concern is children and pets. Kids are nosy. Uh, if you're staying in a house with kids, there's a, a likelihood that one of them may try and get into your bag just to see what's in there. Uh, and, oh look, it's a bag of brownies and why don't I eat one? That's a trip to the emergency room and a conversation with the police, possibly. Uh, so don't do that. And the same thing goes for pets. Dogs are terrible little assholes. Uh, they will get into your bag. I had a dog once, one of my parents' dogs. I had bought a non-medicated chocolate whoopie pie for my dad that was in a plastic bag inside a cardboard to-go box uh, that I had brought up for him and I'd forgotten to give him. Uh, and it was in my bag, which was a duffel type bag, which was zipped close. My mom's dog unzipped my bag, got the box out of the bag, opened the box, took the plastic bag out of the box, opened the bag, and ate the whoopie pie. That's it. It's that simple. Had that been a medicated product, we would have had to go to the vet, and we would have had to get the dog's stomach pumped, and IV fluids, and all this other stuff, and now I'm on the hook for several hundred dollars uh, for not securing my stuff. That's the biggest issue, is it, less than kids, pets. Pets are the worst. They will sneak in there while you're not paying attention, while you're asleep, while everyone's out of the house, and they will eat all kinds of stuff. I've had a couple of friends who were traveling uh, cross-country, you know, with a, with a Ziploc bag full of brownies and a backpack uh, among their possessions, stayed the night at a friend's house, went out to dinner, came back, dogs pissed all over the house, there's a big pile of, of, of dog diarrhea on the carpet, and the dog is laying out, breathing shallowly, with its tongue hanging out of its mouth and its eyes rolled back in its head. That's horrible. That's a horrible thing to put on your friends or your family, so don't do that either. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I missed, uh, and I don't think there is. I think I've covered a lot of bases here. Um, and we're hitting around the 40-minute mark, and I can't believe I've been talking for almost 40 minutes straight, although those of you who know me in person won't be surprised that I could talk for 40 minutes straight about this subject. I could talk all day about cannabis, uh, and I'm gonna, uh, but not for this episode. I'm gonna pick another topic, and we're gonna plunge forward with another episode at another time, but uh, I just wanted to thank anybody who's been listening for listening to this, and uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at TalkyTom, or Tom Talky, I don't remember, one of the two, but uh, this is the No Such Thing as Tuesday channel, uh, this is the Podcast SF, and uh, thank you guys so much for listening, hit me up on Instagram if you have any questions, uh, if you have any ideas for future episodes, any topics you'd like me to cover, I'd love to hear about it, and uh, thank you guys so much for listening, alright, have a good day.